Good morning, everyone. I love the poetic license. They give each other a hug at the end. That's not in my Bible, but, you know, we'll unpack that a little bit further. Um, well, 48 hours ago, we just arrived back from Fiji, and uh, we went over to celebrate Christy's 40th birthday. So she's one of those people now. Uh, for us, the, the real adventure, though, started when we left the resort. We were there for seven days. We left the resort. We crossed the highway, the major highway down at the southern part, the southern part of Fiji, the main island, and we just waited for a bus. Um, we knew that buses were coming across all the time uh, to go to the capital, Suva, and so we crossed the highway. We just waited there with our luggage and three kids, and we just waited for the next bus to come. The local bus service took us to Fiji, it took us uh, three hours to get there, and we had no agenda other than to meet uh, some of the folk that we know of uh, that work with WEC, which is a missionary agency, and we wanted to spend time with them. We wanted to hear some of their stories, and uh, they wanted to meet us as well. Well, we not only met them, we met some new friends, but we also met some uh, people from YWAM. I don't know if you've heard of YWAM, Youth with a... With a uh, sorry. Um, yeah, Youth with a Mission. Thank you. And so... Um, I got, uh, Toby and I went on a yacht and, um, around the, the bay in the main capital of Suva, and this yacht is one of, I think, 40 that YWAM have now, and uh, what they're doing is they're sailing uh, to different islands, and they're partnering with the Bible Society, with Wycliffe, trying to get to these different islands around Fiji and other, other uh, nations, uh, Pacific nations, uh, to try and uh, tell the story of Jesus. So that was exciting to be a part of that. We met bumped into the Pioneers man also in Fiji. He's an Australian, been in, uh, in, um, in Fiji for, for 15 years working with Pioneers. And uh, last Sunday, this time last Sunday, we were part of a, of a church in a movie theater. I've never been to a church service in a movie theater. I've heard about it. Uh, but here we were. Uh, there was a Hindu man that became a believer, and this Hindu businessman um, owned a large shopping complex, including a cinema. He became a believer and heard of this church plant, and he said, come and have church every Sunday in this movie theater. No cost. You can join us. And in fact, the pastor, Pastor Jared was his name. He's exactly like Steve Fitzalan. <laughs> just imagine, he spoke, he spoke that Sunday, and he's just like Steve. Just imagine Steve... Fijian, a bit darker tone, and ready to tackle you because he's a rugby player. That was, that was the pastor there, and we had a, we had a good time. Uh, and God is moving. God is doing some things in Fiji. Fiji is the hub of the Pacific area. So if you're thinking of the Solomon Islands, if you're thinking of Vanuatu, um, other, other nations, uh, Tamoa and so on, then Fiji is the place to go to, to regroup, to plan, and then go. And so Fiji is also a melting pot for lots of different cultures, so there's lots of um, uh, Hindus, uh, there's lots of Muslims, and there's obviously lots of Christians as well. So there's lots of focus, um, focus points when it comes to trying to tell Jesus' story in different ways. The Sunday we were there in this movie theater, we heard this amazing testimony of a woman who had the a size of a tennis ball in her ovary area. And uh, the week before, she went to the doctor, and uh, it was all clear. She'd been baptized three weeks earlier. And uh, it was an amazing story. So we, 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 we were encouraged. Jesus is doing amazing things, and you don't get to hear about it. And you know what? That's okay. But sometimes you do hear about it, and it's really, really a privilege to hear what Jesus is doing throughout the world. 
And so I want to start with a question. My question is, or a group of questions, how do you know you've made a good choice in life? How do you know you've made the right decision? Um, Who decided it was a good choice? Did you think that of yourself? Did you think, yes, this is the right choice, this is a good choice, or did maybe somebody else tell you that? And what made it good? Here's another question. Did did you tell yourself that it was good? And so what I want to do is I want to frame this um, around some verses, um, and I want to focus on three areas. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to living as Jesus wants us to live, there are three elements that I think are important. There are more, but I want to focus on just three this morning. The first one is abiding. The second one is hearing, and the third one is doing. And I'm going to unpack that in just a little second. But, you know, I was part of the team here at Door of Hope uh, six years ago. Christy and I were part of the, the staff here. And um, I was, uh, in 2012, I was waking up fairly early, and this is unusual for me. And um, I was reading the Bible. I was digging into Scripture. I was paying attention to what God might be saying, not realizing that eventually we would finish up at Door of Hope we would relocate to Mexico for a period of time, not knowing then what was after Mexico, we would arrive at Worldview Center for Intercultural Studies, which is a uh, discipleship community here in Launceston training for cross-cultural ministry. And actually, we've got two students here today, and yesterday they got engaged, and their names are Nolene and Andrew. Where are you? Can you just wave you there? They're sitting at the back there. You don't know them, you don't know them because I've just started coming here, but the WEC agency that we work for is also known as We Engage Couples, that's the synonym, and 2018, we're still doing that after 60 years, so congratulations to you both. And so uh, we moved to Mexico, uh, over the nine-month period, I met with Steve as we were finishing up, asking questions, uh, talking to him about a handover, what did it look like for us not to be part of Door of Hope. It all went well in that regard. We put our house on the market. We moved to Mexico. We got our, ourselves involved with the, uh, the local culture. We ran the Alpha course. We ran the marriage uh, course at Alpha Run. We helped start a Christian school. All this because we were making ourselves available to God. And then six months after that, we received a a call, literally a, a Skype call saying, would you come to Wellview? And we've been there for the last five years. So we arrived with no home, no financial security, living on campus as a community, which is challenging. Challenging. It has its great times, but also its difficult times. And running a tertiary accredited school has its challenges as well. So it's no surprise then that every now and again I ask myself this question, did we make a good choice? Because as far as the world is concerned, the decisions that we took, this is me and Chrissy and our family decided to do, are counterintuitive. The world doesn't say you ought to do those things. The world says go and travel and so on, but it doesn't say sell your possessions and try and rely on God a little bit more than you've been doing in the past. And so I'm asking this question, did I make the right choice? And I'll come back to my story later. And so I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 6. If you've got your Bible or your device, if you're at home uh, watching, listening, 
Turn to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to um, unpack a parable that happens there. Christy, thanks. And so I want to start by painting a picture of what a parable is. And so parables are word pictures that reveal the reality of God. And so parables describe what God is like, who he is. Jesus and others, it wasn't just a unique feature of Jesus, taught about God using concrete illustrations that reach the heart through the imagination. So on the one hand, you had infinite Uh, majestic, the realm that God, Yahweh, is a part of. But then on the other hand, you've got this daily life, this grind. And so what parable does, the parables um, try and meet the gap, this middle space where vivid stories uh, brought these two realms together, this amazing, creative, holy God and the daily grind, on the other hand, and you've got this space in the middle. And this is where parables sit. And so the entry point of the parable was with the listener in mind. But then the parable pushed beyond the place, that particular place, to a place of discovery. And so we need to mention at least two things about Jesus um, and parables. And the, the first one is that one-third of Jesus' words, his teaching, is uh, parables that we have recorded in Uh, four Gospels. And the second point is that the main theme of Jesus' ministry was the proclamation of a kingdom of God, of his Father's kingdom. And so this is the type of kingdom that viewed things differently, the other way around. This is the kingdom of God that was completely upside down. Jesus was about to declare something new. A new king was coming. Um, This is a king that would rule like no other king before and no other king after. This king would reign in a kingdom that understood the significance of children, that that looked after the poor, the hurting, the hungry, that would require a type of servant leadership no one had ever seen before, to the point where this king would be the suffering servant, dying not only for his people, but for entire creation. Here, Jesus proclaims something new, something that inspires people to think differently about their lives and the lives of those around them. And it's no surprise that Luke, in this particular section of his gospel, um, highlights a particular uh, phrase, if you like, or a particular statement that Jesus was um, declaring. And so some of these statements were, blessed are the poor. Or blessed are those who hunger, blessed are those who weep, those who are persecuted. That's in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, we have what what Matthew is, uh, what we know to be called the Beatitudes. But Luke does this slightly differently. And so after these statements, blessed are those, and so on, um, Jesus' teaching goes on to loving one's enemies. After that, it goes on to judging others. And after that goes on to uh, describing a tree and its fruit. And then comes this parable of the wise and foolish builders. It's the first parable in response to this new kingdom ethic, this new way of doing life. And it's no surprise that Jesus often said something along the lines of, if you have ears, 
then you need to hear this. Those who hear, let them hear. And so let's go to Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49. And we read these words of Jesus saying, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundations on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck, the house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. And the two builders hugged each other. So at first glance, I'm just suggesting a quick read of this passage is about building your life on good foundations. And at the moment, I've got this song stuck in, in my head. Do you remember the Sunday school song? Yeah, people are nodding. You know the actions, right? Do you want to listen to the song? So we're fast-forwarding the song because we know the verse of the, the wise man that came and built, and we know the verse of the song where the foolish man then comes and builds and the rain comes. This is what follows. Thanks, Sam. Let's have a listen. Don't do the actions. All right, thanks, Sam. We'll leave it there. So these words are interesting. The first part I get. The second part I'm asking some questions. Because this is the the type of um, maybe mentality that we approach this parable with. And that is that we need to build our life in order to succeed. So if you do certain things, then you will succeed in life. Now, I don't have a problem with that. It's not bad in itself. We know that a good foundation, so good choices and decisions will set us up well for the future. And um, in fact, the wisdom here is similar to the wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs. Um, If you make some right choices, if you come to the crossroads and you take the advice of those that have gone down this road before, then you will succeed in life. There's nothing wrong with that. The thing is, we need to read Proverbs along with Ecclesiastes, and we also need to read Ecclesiastes along with Job. Those three books really paint the picture of what life is really like. Yes, there are choices that you can make in order to improve your life, but actually life also throws you some things that are pretty challenging. And we need to pay attention to our relationship with God in response to how um, how we respond to those elements that are surprising. Yes, bad things happen to good people in the same way that good things happen to bad people. And so what I'm trying to highlight here is that Jesus is not saying that in this parable, I don't think. Jesus is not asking who was the wise builder and who was the foolish one. The answer is already there in that picture. The lesson is who is hearing and obeying and who is not hearing and who is not obeying. 
And it's no surprise that he starts off this parable with this statement, the first verse, first two verses, 46 and 47. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, he says, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And then it goes on to tell the picture. So essentially what we're dealing with here is discipleship. This is what being a discipleship of Jesus is all about. If you and I are disciples of Jesus, and you can use the word apprentice if you like, or you can use the word student of Jesus. Here at Dora Folk, we use the phrase Jesus-centered, others-focused. My point is that if you are a disciple of Jesus, then our relationship is about understanding who he is and what he wants. This is what I would try and do if I was an apprentice learning a craft. The question now becomes this. Do you know what he is saying? So are you hearing him? And then the second question is, are you putting into practice what he is saying? So I want to offer three things to become better disciples. And the first one I rely on, this passage in John 15. Let me read it out to you, the first eight verses. John 15 1 to 8 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. This is Jesus speaking. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken, the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, says in verse 4. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word remain, in the older translations you have this word abide. The fruit that you produce does not come from the quality of your work. It comes from your relationship with Jesus. That is the starting point. It has to be the starting point. Our daily rhythms should be about remaining in Christ and then bearing fruit. Remaining in Christ, bearing fruit. Day in, day out. This rhythm of life that we call discipleship uh, under Jesus Time in prayer, reading and reflection, studying the Bible and being silent before the Lord are trademarks of the best disciples. So my question is, will you be one of them? This is the wise person in the parable. On the other hand, show me a disciple who is distracted, constantly occupied by trivial information, and I will show you someone who is foolish in the same way that the parable is tells us. And so remaining is the first trait in discipleship, one of the first traits. The second one is learning to hear what his voice sounds like. And John 10, 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice, 
I know them and they follow me. So what steps do you have in place to be able to hear God's voice? As an apprentice of Jesus, what are you doing to hear him speak? How do you know the Spirit is saying something to you that needs attention? If we are like sheep, then we can recognize his voice, but this requires time. It requires remaining or abiding in him. What use is hearing God, Jesus' voice if we don't put it into action? And this leads us to the third aspect of being disciples of Christ. It's not about being called. It's perhaps more to do with being sent. And I'll admit I'm changing my mind about this. Uh, Christy and I have been talking about this and even floated the idea past Bev and Luke, who now went on to Africa a, a few weeks ago. And we, we got talking about this concept of being called. Are we really called or are we sent? Is there a difference between the two? The, the, the concept of God calling me to go to, say, Fiji as a missionary, for example, uh, implies that actually the responsibility is God's. Um, I'm just waiting for him, and if he calls me, then I will go. But actually, I'm starting to doubt that that's really true. I think more and more it has to do with being attentive to who Jesus is and uh, acting from a position of being sent. And we see this constantly in Scripture. Uh, we, we see that uh, God sends Abram, does he not? He sends him out of his own um, land to do something that nobody has experienced before. Moses is sent into the uh, Pharaoh's realm to try and organize the departure of God's people. And it happens over and over and over again in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God sends his son. Jesus wasn't waiting saying, I haven't got a call yet. I will go down to earth once God tells me. God, Jesus acts as a sent son. And the son, towards the end of his resurrection and life, uh, before he goes to heaven, he says to his disciples, don't worry, there is someone that's coming. I'm going to send someone that's going to help you. And that someone is the Spirit. Not only does God send the Son, the Son sends the Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? The Spirit sends forward the church. This is you and me, friends. This is us being sent into the world. And so the church is made up of disciples who will go into the world and tell who Jesus is. It's a position not of calling, waiting for God to get my attention. It's actually, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I will act like a disciple of Jesus by being sent into the world, into my neighborhood, into my workplace, into my university, whatever it is. You know what I mean. And so my plea this morning is be one of the sent ones. Jesus has already highlighted areas that need attention the poor, the widows, the orphans, the, the hurting. You don't need a call for that. You just need to go and do. Sign up to superheroes. Be part of the sent ones that do something. Those who know how to remain in Christ, these are the ones who know what his voice sounds like. These are the ones who are doing things in God's kingdom. 
In other words, these are the ones who are wise and have built foundations that can withstand any storm. Will you be one of them? So I come back to the parable. The parable is not about the quality of your life. It's actually about the quality of your decision. It's not about how well you will build your life. It's how well you will respond to hearing Christ and doing what he's asking you to do. So will you be a disciple who hears and obeys and therefore one who is wise? Or will you be distracted and foolish in the way you live day to day? If you don't address this question, then you may not have the foundation you think you have. The kingdom of God needs men and women, boys and girls, who pay attention to what Jesus is doing in the world and who selflessly live for others. The choice is yours. And so I come back to my story. Did we uh, get a call to move to Mexico and then move on to Worldview? I don't, I don't think so. It wasn't a call as such, whatever that means. What we did try and do is to listen to God and to obey And so how did we know we were hearing God's voice? That's a great question. Well, the choices that we made were not as individuals, but actually I spent a lot of time talking to Steve at that time. Uh, We spoke to some of our closest friends, others whom we sought advice. Our decision, our wise choices were made in community. That's how we knew we were listening to God. And this is hard for us because we're wrestling with individualism, right? And it's all about you and God. And uh, we were at this church service uh, last Sunday in, the, in this theater. And um, uh, Christy and I were reflecting afterwards. The young worship leader during the singing said, um, just, it's just this time, it's just this moment between you and God. And we walked away not necessarily disagreeing with him. The principle is, is, is right. But the fact that As a community, it's actually not just me and God, it's us and God. It's the community and God. Discipleship, obeying, listening, paying attention to Christ is not just an individual choice that you make. It's something that we collectively learn together as we collectively move forward into the world. And so the church exists to remind us that we're not supposed to be doing life alone and one of its practices is remembrance. Now, let me just reiterate here, I'm not saying that the kingdom is the church. The two different things. The kingdom of God that Jesus came to proclaim does not equal the church. Rather, the church gets to be part of God's kingdom. The church is a representation of God's kingdom. It's where we see God in action going into the world. And that looks differently wherever you go. And so when we get together as a church community, we practice this this, uh, weekly rhythm of reminding ourselves of who God is, reminding ourselves of what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to be focusing on. And this practice of remembrance is very, very important. And for us as a church, one of those things, well, it could be lots of things, singing, praying together, praying for those that need prayer. What about communion as well? What about remembering what Christ did? We choose to remember Jesus who endured the pain of being removed from community with God. Jesus was removed from that community 
for a moment so that you and I could interact with God in community. And this is, this is impromptu, this is off the cuff, but I wondered whether you would like to stand with me, and we're going to read the psalm, we're going to read it all together out loud as our response to God. So why don't you stand with me? So let's read together all aloud in one voice. We love the Lord because He hears our prayers. Because He listens to us, we will praise Him. We are caught up in brokenness and despair, yet you come and deliver us into your hands again and again. We lash out the world that misunderstands us, but you lavish us in love and called us child. We cry out to you, O Lord, please open our eyes. Let us see your presence in our midst. You are sufficient for us, O God Almighty. Your love, grace, and mercy sustain us. Praise you, Lord, and praise your bride, the church. Praise to you, for you are good and true. And so, Father, we stand before you, and we choose to remember. We choose to remember that you have called us to engage in the world that you so love. And you uh, invite us to remember that this this reality of being a disciple of yours requires sacrifice in the same way that you died on the cross for the sins of the world, for all of creation. You now are compelling us to live sacrificially, to self-sacrifice in order that we would engage your name in, in the world. So Lord, I want to thank you that you're always inviting disciples to, to come and hear your voice and to come and obey what you are asking us to do, not only as individuals, but as a church as well. And so as we stand before you, we say thanks for your sacrifice on the cross. The fact that I am here, the fact that we are here, and we can talk to you like we're doing right now is because of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, thank you for instilling that value in a kingdom that is so different to what the world is offering. Lord, we want to be involved in your kingdom. We want to declare that you are the King of kings, that you are the Lord of lords. And actually, we want to be part of a kingdom whose spirit is always moving and whose spirit gives us glimpses of this kingdom. And we thank you for miracles that are happening all over the world. Thank you for men and women who are hearing the name of Jesus being proclaimed for the first time. And thank you that you are inviting Door of Hope to go into um, our community, to go into the world and to proclaim who you are. And you're inviting me into that process. You're inviting us. So Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice, for the bread that we're about to take, the biscuit that represents your body, and also the, the cup, the juice, representing the blood. Thank you that in you there is life. Everything else is secondary. We focus on your name, Jesus Christ, and we say thank you as a community. In Jesus' name, amen.